Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number five in this series called Faith Righteousness, the Ultimate Revelation of God. I call it a revelation of God because I want this series to help you to get to know and experience God. You know, in the book of 1 John, the Apostle John uh, talks about, uh, in the King James, uh, knowing and believing the love of God. Well, that word knowing is actually the word experiencing. And one of the interesting things uh, that comes out as the Apostle John talks about this is the difference between knowing information about God and actually experiencing God himself. You know, there can be a great gap between what we know about someone and what our opinion is about someone. And the real truth is, we tend to experience our opinion of others more than we actually experience who they are. And uh, if you've never read my book, uh, How to Stop the Pain, where it talks about overcoming judgment, uh, one of the ways to put an end to past pain and avoid future pain, uh, that might be something that you would want to read. Pastors, Christian counselors, even secular counselors all over America and all over the world use that book in their practices. So you know, one of the questions that we need to ask ourselves is this, am I experiencing God or am I experiencing my opinion about God? And I want to help you know how to actually answer that question and how to make a paradigm shift so that instead of experiencing our opinion about God, we start truly experiencing God and all the benefits that come from experiencing God for ourselves. You know, sadly, religion uh, for most of the last 2,000 years has shaped uh, the opinion of the church about God. Now, you know, there are great churches out there, and I'm so thankful for it. But sadly, most of this past nearly 2,000 years, the agenda has been to give control to leaders. You know, I, I was looking back at the sacrifices in the Old Testament, and it, it was really interesting the things that the leaders taught the people about sacrifice. And by making the people feel guilty about their sins, then the priests could really push the people into bringing more sacrifices. Well, who, who was the beneficiary of those sacrifices? The priests were. It gave them more food to eat. The, the, you know, the more the people felt guilty, the more they felt the need to bring bigger and bigger sacrifices, and the priests benefited from those sacrifices. Now, I got to tell you, there are great pastors out there. I have, have been privileged to know some of the best pastors in America, and I'm so thankful for that. But I've also got to tell you, there are a lot of charlatans out there that, that whether they realize it or not, 
Guilt works to build their ministry. Guilt works to build their income. Make people feel that they have a need. Make people really alienate people from God uh, rather than connect people to God. I want to tell you, my agenda for you as a minister or as a leader is to encourage you, to give you the truth, and uh, and really help you be in a position where you realize you don't need me, where you know, I'm just somebody who encourages you, I'm somebody who builds you up, I'm somebody who shares the word with you, but I want to be that person that's always pointing you to God through the Lord Jesus Christ in your own intimate personal relationship. And and you recognize you don't need me. You might want me to be involved in some areas, and that's fine. But I tell you what, I don't. I don't want anybody needing me. I, uh, people who need you tend to want to have a sick relationship with you. So religion really has made the average believer feel like that God is very, very difficult to ever come to know. That you can't really know God. That. You know, we, we have this mystical, uh, fake spirituality that says you can't really know God, you can never be sure. Well, that's, that's really the way it was with the pagan gods. With the pagan gods, you never knew for sure uh, what they were going to do. They were precarious, they were precocious, they were unreliable, they would break their word, they were sneaky, they were tricky. They, you know, in, in the minds of their worshipers, they use human beings as pawns in all of their and all their sick games. Well, I got news for you. God has gone to incredible lengths so you can know who he is. And in this series, I want you to know God experientially. I want you to know how and why you can always trust him. I want you to know how to have real intimacy with him. I want you to learn to hear his voice for yourself. I want you to learn how to read and study the word of God for yourself. And I want you to, to know what God will do. You want, I want you to see faith knows for sure. Faith isn't guessing. Faith isn't hoping. Faith isn't shutting his eyes and jumping off the cliff. I want you to know who God is. And I want you uh, to recognize and be sure of that for which you can rely on God. Faith is easy when you actually know who God is, when you know his character. Then you know what to expect from him. All false gods, all false religions hold you captive through secret uh, knowledge. This is called uh, uh, mysticism. Now, like I said, God has gone to incredible lengths to reveal himself to us. Why? Because he wants to be known. This is why the Bible tells us without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is not trying to believe something about God. Faith is where God says something about himself, or he demonstrates something about himself, and we believe his representation of himself. Uh, so uh, faith is not trying to just believe for something that you want to believe for. It's about believing what God reveals about himself. And so you can't please God without faith. Why? Because if you don't have faith, then basically you are really accusing God of being a liar uh, because faith trusts what God reveals. Uh, you know, just, and you know, you've heard me say this so many times, and I re listen, I repeat things on purpose. 
you know, I've been I've been ministering to people for over 50 years, and it amazes me, and in a good way, that sometimes if you keep finding ways to say the same thing over and over and over and over, people will uh, will suddenly they will connect to it. They'll allow the Holy Spirit to speak to them. And they'll say, man, I never heard you say this before. What you don't, you know, you don't insult them. You don't attack them or criticize them, but you're, but you're thinking, been saying it for uh, 30 years. Glad you, glad you finally connected to it. Now that's, that's, that's not a criticism, but uh, you know, it, it, in, in this modern 21st pop uh, version of Christianity, we're always looking for a new revelation. We're always looking for new insight. And that is not what establishes the heart. The real truth is repetition is one of the key things that establishes the heart and truth. And actually, repetition is one of those things that that if we're listening with our heart, if we're listening prayerfully, that brings us to the place where we tend to have get insight that uh, into deeper dimensions of a truth that maybe we have never, ever, ever seen before. So you can't trust a person you don't know. You can't trust a person beyond what you know about them. And so to the extent that we know God, we can trust God, which means we can have an incredible walk of faith. You know, John 10.10 10 is one of those scriptures that probably probably among most Christians, is one of the most recognizable scriptures that there is. And uh, this is where Jesus says, and the thief comes not, but still kill and destroy. I have come uh, that you might have life and have it to the fullest. Now, that word for life is the Greek word zoe. And the, the word zoe is a reference to quality of life, and it's talking about the quality of life that God has. So Jesus came to bring the life of God to the human race. And uh, and so, as one theologian put it, uh, the life that God has is the life that Jesus possesses. Therefore, Zoe is the quality of life possessed by the one who gives it. So Jesus possesses the quality of life that God has. You know, Jesus was never depressed. Man, he faced some incredibly difficult times, times worse than anything that we will ever face in this life. But he faced those times and he wasn't discouraged. He wasn't, he wasn't depressed. He wasn't fearful. He always had peace. He always yielded to righteousness. He was always, he was always kind. He was always truthful. Now, by the way, even though he was kind, there, there were times when he was confrontational. You know, being confrontational does not mean that you are not being kind. As a matter of fact, uh, if we don't experience confrontations for God, the Bible teaches, then we're not sons. We're bastards. We're illegitimate children. We're not really uh, his children. And when he does confront us, he confronts us like the children that he favors, and he always does it for our good. But anyhow, Jesus said, I've come that they might have the quality of life that God has and have that quality of life to the fullest. Now, if you just read that scripture by itself and you don't bring anything else into it, then you think, okay, so how does that happen? Do I have to believe hard enough to make this happen? You know, it always amazes me the things that we 
use our faith for, the things that we think that we're supposed to believe hard enough, uh, long enough, and strong enough to manipulate God into doing for us. And uh, it is amazing at the things that Jesus said, you don't have to worry about this. You don't have to pray about this. You don't, you don't, you don't have to be concerned about this. Uh, the honest truth is, and you know, I may get, I may have an opportunity to go into this some in this series. Uh, most of what we are taught to pray about, in fact, Jesus said, don't pray about it. Most of the ways that we are taught to pray, Jesus says, don't pray that way. And we ignore how Jesus ministered to people. We ignore how Jesus prayed. We ignore how he taught us to pray. And we listen to everybody else. And then we spend our entire lives, our prayer life is like poking around in the dark, trying to keep from, keep from uh, falling in the well, so to speak. Well, listen. We put too much effort and we expend too much faith on things that Jesus said, don't worry about this. God has got you covered. Now, the, the real truth is that, well, you know what? I'm not even going to give it away yet. I'm, I'm going to just share this in an upcoming uh, message with you. And remember now, I have uh, six audio messages uh, that go along with this series. And the video series that we have on our website is not the identical series to our audio series. I bring the audio series for people who want to take a deeper dive, people who are developing a discipleship type of relationship with Jesus. And so I want to encourage you to get the audio series that go with this, but also listen to every one of the free video messages that we have on our website and you will benefit greatly from it. The money that you spend is an investment in yourself, and it's how we finance taking this gospel of the kingdom to the ends of the earth. Okay, so Jesus said he wants me to have the quality of life that God gave to him. That's what he, that's what he came to bring us. And ultimately, the quality of life that Jesus has right now and the Bible says, as he is now, not as he was when he walked planet Earth, as he is now, so are we. Well, the quality of life that Jesus has right now is, is what the Apostle Paul called basically resurrection life. It is the life and the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, conquering sin, conquering death, conquering the devil, conquering principalities and powers making us more than conquerors in every aspect of our of our life. That's the quality of life that uh, that Jesus has right now. That's the quality of life that we can enter into right now. So so to answer this question, how how do I how do I interact with this? How do I get myself uh, connected with this quality of life that uh, you know that Jesus has? Well John 17 3 answers that question. He's, and, and by the way, always use scripture to answer scriptural questions. You know, sadly, we come up with questions about the scripture and then we look everywhere else. You know, because of the fact that I have studied medicine, I have a, you know, I have a degree in alternative medicine. And because of the fact that I have uh, studied other things and I, have, I actually have degrees and certifications and a lot of things. 
And so I use those things as reference points, but but the Bible is what I use to identify truth and to prove truth. Uh, all, all, you know, medicine, science, all these other things are just ways to explain the truth in modern language so it makes it uh, accessible uh, to the people of this generation. So people are always like, hey, man, I want to study science like you do. I want to study medicine like you did. I want to be, no, 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 study the Bible. You're not ready to look at all this other stuff until you're absolutely solid in the Word of God. And so when you find questions in the Word of God, don't go looking to outside sources for those answers. Let the Scripture uh, confirm the Scripture. Let the Scripture reveal and help you understand the Scripture. So Jesus said, come that you might have life, that you might have, have it more abundantly or to the fullest. But then in John 17, 3, he says, now this is eternal life. Now that word eternal life, again, is the word zoe. Anytime you see the word, the words eternal life, I can guarantee you this, it is in the Greek New Testament, or in the New Testament, it is the Greek word zoe. So Jesus said, I've come, and this is zoe, that you may, that they may know you, and he's talking to God the Father, because he's praying here, the only true God, and that they might know Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So the key to experiencing this quality of life that God has, and that Jesus came to to show us, to model for us, and to and to bring alive inside of us, uh, is not trying to believe to have that kind of life. It is, it is the fruit or the byproduct of something else. Well, what is it the fruit and the byproduct of? It is the fruit and the byproduct of knowing and experiencing God for yourself. You know, just like when John and 1 John talked about the love of God, when he says, you know, uh, knowing, when he talks about knowing, believing and knowing the love of God, he is, he is not talking about knowing it intellectually. He is talking about knowing it experientially because you trust it, because you, you believe it. And so in the New Testament, when you see the word know, uh, it's talking about to experientially know something. And so uh, having information, having the right doctrine, having the right theology is of no true value in our walk with God unless we use that to uh, come into a deeper, more meaningful relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. But if if we think that the information itself brings us anything, then we're just using information to stimulate our ego, and the real truth is it's not bringing any real quality to our life. So, so number one, you can only know God through the Lord Jesus. Now, you know, I can remember for the first several years I was born again, I would hear a statement like that, and I would think, well, I'm not even sure what that looks like in real life. What do you mean, know God through Jesus? I mean, I'm saved, I'm born again, so, so, I, so I'm going through Jesus to get to know God. No, as I tell you all the time, and I share these same scriptures with you over and over and over again, uh, the Bible says that Jesus is the exact representation of God, Hebrews 1.3. Uh, John 1.14 says that Jesus is the logos of God made flesh. In other words, if we want to understand anything that's written anywhere in the Bible, 
we need to look at the life, the teachings, the ministry, and the covenant that Jesus established with God. And by looking at those things, that's where we turn doctrinal information into a character sketch of God. And I, listen, if Jesus is not the final uh, interpretation point, you know, I call Jesus the Rosetta Stone. You know, the Rosetta Stone was a was a stone that was found in Egypt that finally gave them the the key to um, translating, interpreting hieroglyphics. And the the Rosetta Stone had had something written. I don't remember what it was, but then it had it written, I think, in Greek, and it had it written uh, in hieroglyphics, and it had it written in several of the key languages of the world. So. For the first time, science had a key to say, this is what these, these pictographs in hieroglyphics, this is what they mean. This is how you interpret it. Well, Jesus is the Rosetta Stone for the Bible. Uh, if you are interpreting scripture with no consideration of how Jesus implemented that scripture, of the principles that Jesus taught relating to that scripture, then very probably your understanding of that scripture is going to be off a little bit, which means your faith, your knowing who God is, your being able to see and perceive God is going to be skewed just a little bit. Now, you know, when I came, when I gave my life to the Lord, one of the things that my, my catchphrases, if you will, was I don't want to know about God. I want to know God. Now, I, you know, I've seen this so much of my life. I saw this, you know, I think every parent goes through this. You know, Reba McIntyre wrote a song. I, I'll tell you, it, it, it broke my heart first time I ever heard this song. It's called The Greatest Man I Never Knew. And I, I'm just going to read you a little bit of it. It says, the greatest man I never knew lived just down the hall. And every day we said hello, but never touched at all. He was in his paper and I was in my room. How was I to know? He thought I hung the moon. The greatest man I never knew came home late every night. He never, uh, he never had too much to say. Too much was on his mind. I never really knew him. Oh, and now it seems so sad. He gave uh, everything he gave to us, took all that he had. I am telling you, and, and, and you may want to listen to this song. It's, it's, it's a great song with great lyrics. But I remember listening to that. I thought, am I the man that's laying down my life for my kids, but they really don't know me. Well, you know something? That's got to be the heartbreak of God. God has done everything he can for us to know him. Now, again, one of the things I've said many times, I'm going to repeat it again so you'll get this. Number one, all of the commandments that God gave, if they are not uh, implemented from the motive of love and with the intention of, of connecting people to the life of God, then, then however we're trying to use them is incorrect and probably bringing death and destruction. There's nothing wrong with commandments. Anybody that tells you there's something wrong with the commandments does not really understand the law and the commandments, and they really don't understand God very well. Uh, the misuse of the commandments, the attempt to use and apply the commandments apart from the motive of love and the intention of bringing life to the here. If that is not present, then then even though you may be quoting the scripture, you're getting it wrong. So, you know, we have the scripture. 
if we apply it in love. As a matter of fact, remember Jesus said that loving your neighbor, uh, loving the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, loving your neighbor as yourself, that we should hang or interpret all other commandments from those two. So if that's not how we do it, then then we're perverting the word of God. But uh, so, so, you know, we've got the law and the commandments that are applied by love and with the intention of bringing the life of God to people. Number two, uh, we've got the names of God. Psalm 138 says that God has exalted his two things above all else, his word and his name. And so if we have an interpretation uh, of any scripture or of any story in the Bible that violates the names of God, we're taking the name of God in vain. And then number three, and this is the most reliable uh, thing that we have, is we have the life, the teaching, the personal ministry, and the covenant that Jesus established. And I'll tell you, if these are your basis for, for uh interpreting scripture and establishing doctrine, but mainly wanting to know who God is, you'll always be on track and you'll always be a person of faith. You know, Isaiah 53, which is one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible that explains reconciliation. It, it explains the life of exchange more than any place in the entire Bible. And by the way, amazing how many Jews reject Isaiah 53 because it's not the picture of God that they want to see. Uh, but but Isaiah 53 starts out with this, this question, who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? You see, the problem is God has given us a report. He has given us a testimony of himself, but the problem is we don't believe what God has revealed about himself through his commandments uh, applied by love, through his names, uh, and through the life and the ministry and the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so basically, we call God a liar as we repeat and try to build our faith on what religion has told us rather than what these sources tell us. You know, Psalm 89, 14 is one of those places where, where we start understanding that God's character is built around four basic elements righteousness, justice, mercy, and truth. And those four elements are the key elements that help us understand who God is. Righteousness simply means God is right. He is truthful. He is the one who is telling the truth about who he is. And if we will trust what he says, what he reveals through the sources uh, that he gives us, again, then, then we will always be on track. We'll always have abundant faith. So to begin this message, I asked the question, am I experiencing God? Well, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus said that uh, if you want to experience Zoe, the quality of life that God has, then this will happen through knowing and experiencing God through knowing and experiencing Jesus, the Messiah, who he has sent. So the real truth is the quality of your internal life. Are you experiencing righteousness, peace, and joy? Are you, are you compelled to walk in love? Are you compelled to, to uh, uh, yield to righteousness? Are you compelled to serve and benefit other people? If you, if you are experiencing God, then you will be living life from the motive of love based on truth and justice and mercy. And uh, you know what? 
it doesn't get any clearer than life. If your life is full of chaos, if your life is full of pain, if your life is full of conflict, then I'm not saying that, that God doesn't love you. I'm saying you probably don't know the God that you're trying to love. Listen, share this with other people. Be sure and go to impactministries.com. Check out all the things we're doing to change the way the world sees God. I'll talk to you again soon. Listen to this message a couple of times before you jump into the next one. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers Podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.